We're going to talk about SVG a whole bunch. I hope you're all huge nerds. Cool. My talk is called SVG for everybody. Just It should just be called SVG. There's really no unifying theme at all. My name is Chris Coyer. I write about the web at css-tricks.com. I talk about the web with my friend Dave Rupert on a podcast called Shop Talk Show, most Thursdays, live in your browser. And I run a little code-sharing kind of site called CodePen. That's uh, pretty cool. I'm happy to be here at BlendConf in the lovely state of North Carolina, down here in Mecklenburg County. Is that right? Did I even say it right? I was, if, you, if, I'm, if I'm very familiar to me, it's already because I'm wicked famous in North Carolina, because I was recently up in Forsyth County, around the Winston-Salem area, at a little, little bluegrass festival called Merle Fest they have up there, which is pretty cool. And I was on the front page of the newspaper for, get, <laughs> for getting drunk and playing banjo in a field, just like two, three months ago. So that's probably why you recognize me, I would think. It's also, I thought, I thought Shovels and Rope was from North Carolina that turns, this is my favorite band ever. The, I think they're actually a South Carolina band, but the Carolina shares some kinship, right? If you've never heard of Shovels and Rope. <laughs> yes, they do. They both say Carolina in them. If you've never heard of Shovels and Rope, check them out. They're badass. The year is 2014 <sighs> on the Chinese calendar. That is the year of the horse, actually, if you look it up on a Chinese restaurant menu. <laughs> Uh, but on the nerd calendar, it's actually the year of SVG. That's the important part. That's, that's what's going on this year in the world of technology. And that's because, so I have, a, I have that file. I've literally named it horse.svg. It lives on my computer. And if I take horse.svg and I display it on any different kind of monitor of any different size or pixel aspect ratio, or you know, pixel density or aspect ratio or whatever, that horse is going to look really good and sharp and nice and perfect. The same file, any size, so good. It's going to look great. Even on stupid little screens like that, it'll look fine, <laughs> totally fine. That file is actually 13, it's like a modest horse.svg, the real one that really lives on my computer. It's like a modest 13.9K. It's, 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 it's fine, right? And it's not 13.9K, you know, dot, the, the dot iWatch version, and then there's a big version of it that's bigger, you know, like how you might have to do with JPEGs or whatever, because different screens and responsive images and blah, blah, blah. It's always the same. It's just use one file in SVG land for all that stuff. So it's 13.9K, no matter, no matter where you kind of use it. And I think those two things are what makes SVG the most compelling to designers right now is that it's, it's a flexible format. It can be displayed at any size. It's just, it's just vector information on how to draw that shape. It will look sharp and beautiful at any size that you want to display it at. That's a pretty damn compelling feature of SVG right there. Oftentimes, SVG has a smaller file size than what, it would, what that same kind of designer shape would have been in a raster format like JPEG. GIF or PNG, uh, and it's quite accessible. We're going to get to all this stuff, but it's just like the, the awesomeness of SVG pile just grows and grows and grows. It is, it's stylable. If you take SVG, you can, you can apply CSS to it and style it how you want it to be. Uh, it's in the DOM, the shapes. If you use inline SVG, you can, you can script it. Uh, you can build an icon system out of it. It's very, it can be a very system, systemic, is that even a word, a thing? Uh, it can be animated. It's very interactive, and it's quite well supported, which is pretty cool, right? You heard it right. There's just, there's just a lot. We're going to get to all this stuff, but there's a lot that makes SVG like a compelling part of like today's conversation on the web. 
Uh, and it's not some like newfangled thing. It's not like this isn't gonna be one of those tech talks where you're like, the future, man, it's gonna be so cool. Just wait and it will, I promise it will be better. This isn't like a big promises talk uh, that you can use later. This is a right now kind of talk. Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, you can use it now and it can be an extremely easy, in fact, using SVG can be that easy. Like if you didn't know that, you can just have an SVG file and use it on the web by saying source is horse.svg. You can have other kinds of SVG other than horses if you want. <laughs> Uh, and then some people are like, okay, well, what's this, you know, what about the big guy? You know, they're like, oh, there's always a little caveat to this stuff. Um, not the case necessarily anymore. This is a website called Can I Use the Tracks? Usage, you know, like can I use that thing? Wow, that's a good name, isn't it? So uh, what, it, what it is is like a horizontal row on that website represents like the current version of all these popular browsers. Uh, green means yes, it's supported, and red means it doesn't. So that very bottom most row that I've highlighted there means it's just VG is supported all the way across the board. There's not even one little red mark of non-support. The line above that is the of current, you know, the back one version from current browsers, and the line above that is back two versions of all current browsers. There's no red at all there. SVG is ready to rock and roll and all that stuff. The only problems kind of being IE8 down and Android 2.3, and even if you need to go there, we'll, we'll look at that later. So if you open up horse.svg, and I have, and you take a look at it, you might be like, that looks familiar. There's like angly brackets and attributes and values and stuff. Hey, that looks a lot like HTML. In fact, it's not actually HTML, it's SVG, but they're both XML. XML is just a kind of data format that has angle brackets. So that's cool. And you might look at that though and be like, man, I wanted to use SVG, but what do I look like? Some kind of math nerd? I don't know what all those numbers mean. No, you don't have to be that. You don't have to be a math nerd, but it's kind of cool that you can learn it at all, right? It's kind of cool that you can look at that and kind of understand what's going on there, unlike any other image format. You can't like look at some JPEG code and be like, that's a, um, that's a tree, I'm sure of it. That's like, you can just look, <laughs> like Rain Man. Uh, <clears throat> SVG can be made from anything vector. Like if you have any kind of vector anything, uh, you can generally open an illustrator and there'll be like vector points and illustrator can save as SVG and we'll look at it later. So like just because it doesn't happen to be SVG right now, if you have a file format and it has vector anything in it, you can make it be SVG. Uh, I feel a little bit compelled to say that SVG stands for scalable vector graphics. Let's just get that out of the way. Kind of a requirement for any SVG talk. You might say, if you're a naysayer in the audience still, but it's like SVG's hot just right now just because like flat design, right? It just happens to be in look, this flat thing. Uh, just, just as a point, that, that graphic, or the, you know, that cliche-ass graphic with the, with the different monitors and stuff, it should have like a blurred out Ethan Marcotte in the background, you know, just to really seal the deal on that slide. <laughs> That just happens to be SVG, and it's not even a big SVG file, really. It's just shapes and fills, and just the way that it's shaded looks pretty 3D and stuff. Uh, it should be noted, though, that SVG is an, a replacement for raster graphics, right? It is a, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's for vector graphics. So this, like, picture of Bob Marley or whatever is taken with a camera, it's, you know, pixel, 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 pixel. That's the best way to just, to, to, you know, that's a JPEG. That's the best format for that. SVG isn't a replacement for that kind of for format. You might say that, Bob Marley is a Rastafarian. 
That's the last joke. I'm not going to do any more. This picture of Bob Marley, though, is, uh, is very good at being vector. You can, and you just know this. I used to have a bunch of totally boring slides in here. We're like, can you guess which format this one should be? And I was like, Ugh, I'm going to remove those because those slides are stupid. You probably already have a pretty good intuition of what's vector looking and what isn't. That's clearly vector, right? It's not always super 100% cut and dry, though. I totally ripped this slide off from Todd Parker, who has this like continuum of SVG or not, and there is kind of a weird territory where SVG is like sufficiently complex that the file size is actually bigger. So it's, it's, it's hard to tell sometimes. I don't know. I would think that like AT&T would probably be in the SVG territory, and that, I mean, the, 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 you know, the doodly -doodly -doodly guy, that's obviously, right? But I don't know. I'm like not sure. Like Mario, I can see that being complex enough. I don't know. It's not always 100% obvious. In fact, I have this like the login thing at CSS Tricks has these like cool trees below it. And you're like, obviously that's SVG, right? Because it's vector. Because I mean, surely that like started life as vector, those little trees. But it's complex enough that that file size would have been kind of enormous as SVG. So sometimes it's just like in a just test it and look. Just look at the size of when you save it as SVG. And if it's small enough, then use it as SVG because it will be better that way. But it's not always a file size win is the point. So how do you get your hands on some? Let's say you want your very own horse.svg to work with on your computer. One way would be to like learn the SVG syntax because it's learnable, right? Like there's rects and polygons and stuff, and there's math in there and stuff. I can't teach you that. Very few people on Earth probably write that stuff from scratch just because there is software good enough such that you don't have to, right? Because Illustrator, you just draw stuff, and that's the proper UI for working with vector stuff, and it just outputs to that. So you could learn it, but you probably won't. Two, you could uh, make your own. You could literally use Illustrator. So here's me, just like the monster designer that I am, just crushing some vector artwork in Illustrator. <laughs> just if you want lessons, we'll do it later. We'll crack open the laptop, <laughs> show you how to do that stuff. See how I converted that stuff to outlines? Just. And I'm here, I'm just going save as, and then from the file type drop down, I just pick SVG. We'll look at that more in a second. But I can just save as. It's not even like export to SVG. It's save as, like a native file format of Illustrator, which is kind of cool. Super cool hot tip if you use Illustrator um, Creative Cloud. I just selected that shape, little Twitter dude. Um, copy, just command C to copy it. I'm just going to go to CodePen, which will render stuff, and you just paste. It just copies and pastes inline SVG. So you need some inline SVG to use? Just hit copy from Illustrator, and it will copy in the format of SVG to use. And I see it rendered the bird there. Super hot tip. Hashtag cool tips by Chris. Uh, there's a bunch of... <laughs> There's a bunch of other software. These are boring slides. Like, you could, Illustrator can be yours for $19.99, but a month, and this is a one-off cost. I hear mostly good things about all these programs. These, whatever. There's, there's, there's software of various price levels that you can have. Um, a lot of people use this because it's free and super-duper cross-platform or whatever, so cool. Or option three, most relevant to me as a designer, is just go steal some already existing SVG stuff off the internet. Sweet. So all this like stock photo-ish sites, iStock, Shutterstock, whatever, 
video hive b or whatever by Envato. They always have weird names. Anyway, there's always a way to search by vector. Just like return me all results that are vector. Sure, you can download that. It will probably come in some weird format like EPS that I don't think anybody even knows what that is anymore. But it doesn't matter because you can open that file in Illustrator and then save as SVG if you intend to use it for the web. So I'm like, oh, some cool cloverleafs things. I'll get it and open it in Illustrator. Oh, it opens up just fine. Now I'll get rid of some crap and change some colors or whatever. And this is the opportunity where I can save as, and I'm just gonna look, zoom in on that so we can look at it, pull, pull down the file format and just save as SVG. The, the, the file extension becomes SVG. And then the two most important ones, and then you get this dialog box, which can be confusing and you know whatever. SVG 1.1 is the perfect choice here. And make sure the most important one is to turn off uh, if it's on, which it shouldn't be default by on, but that pr preserve Illustrator editing capabilities, that's stuff like it will save information about guides and like weird proprietary Illustrator things that don't work in SVG really anyway. So the file size can be enormous if you leave that on or very small and web ready if you make sure that that's off. So there is a connection between working in Illustrator and the SVG code that it creates. I mean, this is a little bit obvious, perhaps, but I just wanted to kind of drive that home, which is like, okay, I'm over here. I downloaded this thing off uh, the noun project or something, and it looks like a cross, but really it's four rectangles that are rotated. And I can see in the code over there that those are like polyline elements. I'm like, I don't want four elements. I want one. It's just a cross. So I grabbed them all, used the pathfinder to combine them, and now it's a proper polygon element that I can control once. So it's like I'm ha I'm, the changes that I make in Illustrator here are being reflected in the code that I have open here on the right, just so you can look. It's like cool to know that there's a connection. There was, it was like in a group. There was no reason for it to be in a group all by itself. So I dragged it out of that palette and then the group tag went away. Here I'm naming the layers in Illustrator and as I save it, those shapes will have IDs all of a sudden over there. And that becomes cool later because you can end up styling and scripting things based on the IDs that shapes have, which is pretty cool. Uh, just, you know, while we're talking about Illustrator land, this is texture. <laughs> you showed me this cool tip about how you can, uh, like that file is probably like way enormous as SVG, but you can use the, uh, whatever it's called, simplify little dialog box. And you can actually like not affect how that looks tremendously, but reduce the number of points by like two thirds uh, in this case and make the file like way, way, way smaller without um, changing the look of it. I just wanted to point out that like basically the number of vector points in an SVG file is like super duper related to how big that SVG file is. So the less of them, the better. Okay. Well, that's, now you have it. You have your very own horse.svg file to use. How do you actually use it on the web? We already looked at this. You can just make it the source attribute of an image tag and cool, it will render and you can use SVG that way. It actually took me longer than it probably should have to even know that that was possible. For some reason, I just, it just never clicked to me as I would read like articles on the internet that were like, what's more cool, SVG or Canvas or something? And it would like, it would be about gaming and stuff. And I thought of SVG as this like weird wildebeest that you couldn't just use and it wasn't just as a simple format. And you certainly can't do like that, right? Canvas isn't like a file format or SVG is. They're both have APIs, but whatever. It was confusing to me. Anyway, if this is the one thing that you learned, you can use it in image tags that way. It's really, it's just extremely well supported and all that type of stuff. So you can use it in CSS as well, just like you could use a GIF ping or JPEG. GIF, those three ones, you know, that are raster. Uh, 
just like you could use any of those other formats, you can use SVG as well. And it's kind of cool because SVGs can have a gradient in them, whereas like IE9 even doesn't support CSS gradients, right? CSS3 gradients. It does support SVG, so you can make a gradient in that, and it's kind of a nice little fallback for gradients. If gradients are like vital to your design or whatever, use SVG that way. Here's an example of using a background SVG graphic. This is HTML5 hub or something. Oh, I can't, this one's like HTML5hub.com. It's got the cool paper rip in the middle, right? Just kind of a nice little effect. If you dig in the dev tools and find it, it is rip underscore blue.svg. And it was designed such that like the left and right have the same kind of height so that it can be tiled this way. You get all the advantage of SVG. It's super sharp. Uh, it can be resized and rescaled and stuff. Uh, and you can just use it like you would have a, a JPEG background and it just looks cool. That's like a use case for it. If you're using it in HTML or SVG really in any way and you know that you have that file linked up right and it's just not displaying for some crazy reason, your server might, might be serving the wrong content type. Let's not dwell on this, but just know that there's something weird about that and it's really easy to Google and find the SVG content type fix. So just lock that in your cool mind vault somewhere. Um, because SVG can be resized, remember it can be like, it's super sharp and you can like render it at any size and it's gonna look really good, you probably will like stop thinking about what size you originally created at or just not worry about that so much and start thinking of like whatever, I can just display this thing at what, any size that I want to and I know that I can do that. That might manifest itself in like um, image tags in your markup. Like you know, you have like a column and it's 400 pixels wide and you have this 500 pixel picture of Obama's face or whatever, that's like always the demo. And you put that in the 400 pixel column and what happens, it like hangs out the outside or it pushes the container wider and it's super awkward. So you put this in there that says images only be the maximum size as your container uh, and keep the height auto so it keeps the aspect ratio or whatever. This is like the responsive images fix kind of. Um, in SVG you might be, but, but notice it uses max width. Like if, the, if that image happens to be 300 pixels, don't make it any bigger. Never, never size a raster image up, because you'll lose quality. Whereas SVG, I know I'm not suggesting you throw this on all your style sheets, but you might use width instead of max width because you're happy to make an SVG file bigger. It can go bigger no problem without losing any quality. Uh, right, so it's like, don't scale up. Scale up if you need to, no big deal when it's SVG. Uh, this happens in CSS as well. If you were to use background size cover, it's like a CSS3 thing that's like, I, you, you're, a, you're a div of X space and I have this graphic and I wanna make sure that this graphic fills every possible pixel of this div. Say background size cover, like do whatever you gotta do. Change um, scale or whatever crap, whatever you need to, but cover the whole region. That would be kind of dangerous with the JPEG because it might have to get bigger to do that and bigger means loss of quality in raster land. And SVG, it's like whatever, do it. You gotta go bigger. I know that I'm not gonna lose any quality, so scale up if you have to. Just the thing that you might start thinking that way more often with SVG. This is not really theoretical. I do this kind of all the time. This is just like a dumb little blog post I write about box sizing and I have these guys like cool, <laughs> border box is cool. And I just, that's just an image source equals SVG right in a blog post. It looks fine on the web. It looks fine when I read my own site in syndication through an RSS reader. It works. And what's kind of cool about that is like, that is the original file too. If later I like spelled something wrong or wanted to change the shirt color or something, 
I can just snag that off the web, open it in Illustrator, change it, and replace it. I don't have to like dig around for like a PSD that's like 20 layers deep in my Dropbox or whatever. Cool. We're going to spend most of the time, so that was like using SVG as in HTML and using SVG in CSS. There's also inline SVG, which is just for sure the coolest way to use SVG, and that's what we're going to spend most of the rest of the time talking about. Here's an example. We have an image tag, and we're linking to an SVG file. But down here, I have that SVG file open. I'm using CodePen. It just renders that HTML below, if you've never seen it before. I'm going to grab that chunk of SVG and replace that image there with inline SVG instead. And notice what happened to the demo. Nothing. It's the same. That's the, that's the same exact thing. Using it in an image or just taking all that SVG file and just chucking it right in there, you can do that as well. And there's some advantages to doing it that way. One, the shapes are in the DOM. So let's say it's the CodePen logo. There's like the logo and then the circle around it. Those are two like distinct different shapes. Uh, they're in the DOM and they can be selected with CSS and done things with. That's interesting. We'll get to that in a minute. One, you know how the internet works? It's like an image and here's the URL to that image. Cool, I got it. I'm a browser. I'm speaking as a browser. <laughs> I'll go get that image and it traverses the internet and goes and gets it and brings it back and, and displays that image. That's great. That's how the internet works. But the less times it has to do that, the cool and faster your website is. That kind of can be an advantage of, of SVGs, inline SVGs, that it doesn't have to make that round trip. Uh, you know, there's caveats both ways, but that can be pretty cool. And there's this neat little trick with inline SVG is that once it's drawn a shape, you can then draw it again later uh, at no cost. You can be like, you've already drawn Twitter bird over here, draw it down here too. And you don't have to like duplicate that chunk of code or whatever. We'll, we'll look at it. It's kind of what I call SVG templating, and it's pretty cool. So let's talk about it a whole bunch. The idea is spriting, essentially. I have a, lots of graphics. I need, to, I need some kind of system to do that to make it easier on me and to make less round trips to the internet. We've done this before. This is like those weird things that we used to do forever, right? Sprites, that's the idea, is I just want to pack all these graphics into one graphic so I can only make one round trip to go get it. That's why we make icon fonts, because all those graphics are embedded into one file. You know, like that's why we do these things. It's in the same vein as image sprites and icon fonts is this system that I'm about to describe. Turns out sites need some kind of icon system. I was able to look at GitHub here, and I, was, I found a little place where they're using an icon, and also a few more places where they're using icons on the site. They need a system for that. So this is what we're describing. Like, how can I build a system for this like we need so often on the web? Here's what it might look like. There's SVG tag. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to build some SVG from scratch. And let's say I have a Twitter bird. A Twitter bird is built from a path, and it has all that weird syntax in there that we can go get from Illustrator or from an SVG file. I'm just going to put that in there. Maybe we'll have two of them. Top one's a, uh, the, the Twitter bird and the bottom one, because it has two individual paths, let's just say that's the code pen logo with its two independent shapes. I'm going to wrap both of those in a G tag. G in SVG syntax just means group. It's like a div. It doesn't really mean anything. It's just a way to identify chunks of stuff and apply styling in groups. And I'm going to give each of those group tags an ID, a unique identifier that we can reference them with later. I'm going to wrap all of that in a defs tag. Defs tags is definitions. It means don't render it right now. I'm just defining it in which to use later. I'm going to put this chunk of SVG somewhere in the document, probably right at the top of the body, and I'm going to say, I don't want you to render at all. Like, defs tag does that too, but the SVG element is it's kind of like an iframe. It has like a default size. Just say, don't even just, go, I'm just defining this chunk because I'm going to use it later than anywhere else in the document. Maybe you just, maybe you'd include that too, just to get it out of your templating. Um, 
Anywhere else in the document that I want to draw one of those shapes, I say SVG tag and I say use and then, and then reference the ID that we gave those group tags, those unique identifiers, and this code will draw that shape right where that is in the code. So here's an example in some real world HTML. I might have a navigation tag with some links in it that point to different areas of the site, blog, videos, and then I put some SVG in there and be like, I know what he's doing. Those are links, those are buttons with little icons next to them. Certainly they could be, but in, the, in this case, this is real code from CSS Tricks. Those are, the, those are these, those are the tabs up there. I drew once a shape with a rounded rectangle and a little comer outer guy there. It's just a little tiny bit of SVG that describes what that shape is. And then I said draw it here, draw it here, draw it here, draw it here, you be orange, you be red, you be whatever. It's like the perfect thing for that. SVG is very well suited to this task. I'm also using it here in the footer. I've defined these shapes. Now draw it here, draw it here, draw it here. Sometimes I have duplicates of shapes. No problem. I can use that over and over. It's a very systemic way of approaching it. Uh, it's in use on this website for the CSS comp that was in Florida. Look at this cool animation. You'd be like, that must be like a huge flash thing or something. It's actually really tiny amount of code. They designed one little brick in SVG and then just use, 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 or brick and double brick, I think they defined. Uh, and then you can style them differently, you can apply different animations to them, whatever. It's a very systemic way to, to, to work and it just all begins in Illustrator with little simple shapes. It's pretty cool. Uh, let's make this system a little bit better. Uh, you know, instead of taking that big chunk of SVG, which you have 100 icons, that's a lot of crap to just dump in your document. You can get it out of the HTML. Remember this code that we made? Let's take that and just put it into a file that we can request. Then what that looks like when you use it instead isn't just referencing the identifier with that weird little use tag and that weird xlink href attribute. We link to the file path too. That could be at like slash SVG slash defs.svg or whatever. Then it's just like a browser requesting a file. And then we can tell our server to serve it with the right like content headers or whatever for caching. So it's like we're putting it in a file that then the browser can cache, which is a way more efficient way to do it. I would have opened with that, it's just that that's the, that's the one IE caveat. Even IE11 doesn't support that. There's an easy way out of it with a script called SVG for everybody that just tests if that's the case. And it's not that IE11 doesn't support SVG, it supports SVG pretty much everything except for that weird using a defs block in an external file. This is just like, oh, if you're in that scenario, I'm just gonna go grab the guts from that file and put it in there as if it was inline SVG and it fixes it so it's like a tiny, tiny little script that fixes that problem. So uh, it, that's the way to go. Um, and I'll show you, let's not talk about that. <clears throat> um, an, an, another little upgrade to this system is to use the symbol tag instead of G. So this is what we had before with this unique identifier wrapping the paths that draw the little shapes. And this is how you use it. With SVG, you need a view box that fits that shape, and you put accessibility stuff in there uh, when you use it, you know? Like the description and title tag or accessibility information, like if you tab to it, what gets read and stuff. If we do it this way instead, we'll get rid of the defs block, we'll use the symbol attribute instead, and symbol doesn't render, it's just, it's just being defined literally in which to be used later. Each one of those can have its own view box. That means you can have different icons that have different like aspect ratios apparently, which is pretty common in icon land. Put the accessibility stuff in there, and this is all part of the file that just gets abstracted away, it just gets built by a build tool, and we'll look at that in a second. Then when we use it in our code, it's a lot cleaner. You don't have to reference the viewport, you don't have to put accessibility stuff, that just stuff comes along for the ride when you use symbol, so it's a, just a nice system to use. Again, this is we're essentially talking about SVG sprites. 
talking about a way to take a bunch of images, make a system out of it in which to use for a site uh, with just one request. So it's this, but just the SVG version of that. Way better because it's vector. Vector is awesome for the resizing and the, how it looks and all that stuff. There's none of that weird math that came along with sprites. There's a <clears throat> more, more, more CSS control over it. We're gonna look at, in detail at that. Uh, it, it's, it has all the advantages of inline SVG, which is many, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's just a cool system. Uh, Iconic is a cool icon set that takes advantage of this. Uh, one of the big advantages is multicolor icons. You know, that was a thing that's hard to do with icon fonts, right? You can apply a color, but can like the tree trunk be brown and the leaves be green? Not, not super easily. Absolutely simple in, in inline SVG. This is an icon set that makes use of that, and depending on what CSS you apply, they can have like, oops, <clears throat> the, the multicolor set, or the single color set, or the make it small and put a box around it set in case they all have to be lined up perfectly or whatever. That's all just little simple CSS changes to a system of SVG. Uh, looking at how you can style that inline SVG, that's kind of one of the most compelling reasons, at least to me, about inline SVG. Here's the BlendConf logo. We're using it that way. I've made a symbol out of it, and I'm using it there on the HTML. We're like, oh, we gotta render it bigger. No problem, no quality loss. We just make it bigger in the, in the CSS, and it renders just perfectly fine. Let's say I wanna make like a, like a cool U2 version of it that just appears on a website. No problem, I'll just fill the top and bottom of it red. No problem. Or maybe if I want to make it grayscale, I'll just apply filter grayscale to it through CSS, no problem. You can just do that through CSS. Let's say I want to open the lid of it. I don't need a new graphic. I just say the top that has a unique ID on it. I'll just be like, transform that with CSS. I can open that up. I don't need multiple versions of it. I'm just controlling all this stuff through the comfort of CSS. I think a lot of us feel more comfortable doing this type of work in CSS. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm displaying it smaller, and it's just visually, there's too much detail, so there's little highlights on the left of the blender. I took those away, took away the button, because there's just less room for it. Or it gets even smaller, so I'm gonna make all the liquid the same color. Or even smaller than that, I'm just gonna remove a lot of the detail from it. You can make all those choices in CSS just through media queries. Just be like, well, that thing has a class name on it. Just like I might hide a sidebar or move a sidebar below, those same types of things we're used to for responsive design, we can make those same kind of choices with no different technology at all right through CSS. This kind of drives it home, this little responsive icons demo. It's one icon that just little parts of it get hidden and shown to, well, I don't know, it's just kind of a rad thing you can do with SVG that, how would you do that with any other, anything else, you know, without making multiple versions of the files? Pretty, pretty compelling little system. So, cool, and that's all possible because inline SVG. So that's like the jam if you can use that, which is pretty cool. So I thought we would just, just because there's a lot of people using icon fonts, like, how many is like integrated icon fonts on a website or at least looked at that? Probably a lot of people, right? <sighs> I was part of the problem, so I get it. Um, uh, I should update that probably, but I wanna pit them against each other because I think that they're very, very similar systems, but there's a lot of advantages to SVG. So if we totally cage match this, are they both vector? Yes, they are. Uh, but, but icon fonts are, are subject to the anti-aliasing for text, you know, so that they, at small sizes and stuff they can get a little funky, which might be good for text, but not so good for your like circle or Apple logo or whatever. Uh, so the, the advantage is to SVG in that case. Um, yes, you can apply CSS to icon fonts, but you can apply all that same CSS to, uh, to, to SVG as well, but more because SVG has a bunch of cool CSS things that you can do to it that you can't do to anything else, like apply a stroke there's like SVG specific things that you can do to it. Um, 
positioning a single icon as an icon font is subject to line height and word spacing and letter spacing and kerning information in the font and the shape that the font was designed in is like arbitrarily sized, I feel like sometimes. It's hard to get that right. Like, I want the tops to be freaking aligned, you know? It's kind of hard to do in SVG. If you make your SVG such that the canvas like hugs the outsides of the icons, it's just like, you know, top zero, right zero, and it just goes there and is fine. Uh, winner SVG clearly to me in that way. Fonts can fail in weird ways. There's like, there was a Chrome bug that's like, oh, you're, this tab isn't active anymore? I don't, I dumped all those custom fonts that you loaded. Or um, if you put your fonts on a CDN, there's weird cross domain restrictions to that loading that you'd have to be totally aware of um, that is starting to propagate to more browsers other than Firefox where it was the worst for a while. It kind of makes sense, but it was inconsistent in browser, so it was weird. Or there's like IE8 on some modern phones, or like whatever the Windows version of, of IE, some pretty like phones that they're selling now just don't support at font face for some reason, so it doesn't work there. It's like weird, and that's a tip of the iceberg for weird things that can go wrong with custom fonts. SVG either works or it doesn't, you know, and generally it does, so. I prefer that. Uh, when you use icon fonts, if you're doing it the absolutely best way, you end up with like pseudo elements on empty spans with weird attributes on them. And so it's like there was a lot to learn to really do it right and a lot of ways to do it wrong. But just semantically, that span doesn't mean anything where semantically an SVG means I'm an image. I'm going to draw an image right now. That's a strong semantic connection, I think. Accessibility-wise, the same kind of thing. You had to be so careful in icon fonts to not screw it up. And I almost promise you that most of you did it wrong. Sorry, but it's weird. It's really hard to get really right. Uh, whereas SVG has all this accessibility stuff just baked into it that's pretty sweet. Uh, and the, ultimately, it becomes easier to use then. I think the build tools are getting better for SVG. It's just, it's going to be a lot easier to use. And I think that it already is a lot easier to use. <clears throat> browser support is where icon fonts win. Just because I, even IE6 supported custom fonts. So if you, that's a, per, GitHub, that image I showed you earlier, they use icon fonts presumably because of the really deep browser support. So if you can go IE9 up, SVG's got, got you all the way covered. Uh, if you need deeper browser support, you can use icon fonts. It's not the worst thing in the world to use. I just think future forward SVG systems are the way to go. If you are using icon fonts, this is the guide. This filament group article will show you how to absolutely not screw it up. And it's a lot of hoop jumping, a warning, but it, they, they get it done in the end, which is pretty cool. Again, not theoretical. This isn't something where I'm like, this is going to be cool at some point. I use this on production websites. On CodePen here, uh, um, there's all kinds of different browsers, and I'm like positioning these little icons in the upper right corner. They look great and are positioned exactly correctly in all of these different browsers, even IE. They ju it just looks great. And I was in the middle of doing it when I took these screenshots and hadn't done the ones in the footer yet, and those are all janky and anti-aliased and sucky looking, and they look a lot better now that I've replaced them. So it's like a, it's like a real thing. They, they, have all these advantages in addition to looking better. So if you are like the type that tends to care more about how things look, it's got, it's got you beat there too. Uh, so the sizing of SVG can be a little weird, and I talked to somebody in a bar the other day that was, that was a little weird about it, uh, or that, that had some trouble with it. The, here's, here's the deal. The size of a raster graphic is very clear. Like here's horse.jpg, totally different. Uh, <laughs> It, we, have, we know that there, it's so, so many pixels wide by so many pixels tall. It feels like a fairly obvious thing, right? Which is like, that's the inherent size of this image. And that kind of manifests itself in SVG too, in Illustrator as the artboard or whatever. And there's an artboard tool even in Illustrator. 
and you can look in the upper right corner and it'll tell you how many pixels wide and tall that artboard is. But really that's kind of, it's a, it pixels is even a little weird there. It's kind of arbitrary. It's really just, that's like describing an aspect ratio really of where these points are being drawn in. But then when you export it, it ends up having a width and height on the SVG element and that's what it gets rendered at in the browser. So there's like, kind of an inherent size to SVGs, but really they can just be, dis they can be displays at whatever size, which we kind of already covered. But it's because there's these two concepts in SVG, viewport and viewbox. And the viewbox is literally an attribute on the SVG information that says, I was born in this type of canvas. I start at, you know, there's four attributes to it. It's like, you know, there's four numbers in the attribute and it's the top left coordinate and how wide and how tall it is. And it's like, that is the aspect ratio of the canvas that me, all this rest of this SVG information lives inside. And viewport is just the width and height of the element. So if you look at code like this, you might have an SVG tag in your website where that's the code. Like the, the aspect ratio of it, or the, the viewport, just the size of that element, you might set in CSS. You might say, I want you to be 300 pixels wide and 200 pixels tall, SVG. And now those two things are in sync. The view box and the viewport are the same. So it's kind of like this happy place where they're the same, but that's, they're not always the same. It's very easy for me to change that SVG information on that SVG where the view box and the viewport then are gonna be different. So if I do that and say I want that, um, I want that SVG to be wider, the SVG will be like, I don't have information to draw it that wide, so I'm just gonna draw myself in the middle of that space. That's just how that works. If you ever see that happen, be like, why isn't it filling the space? It's because there's like a mismatch in the view boxes. Sometimes that's desirable. Sometimes you can use that to your advantage. The same kind of thing if uh, you know, you've told it to be less tall than it is, it will center itself in that. And you can control that through this um, preserve aspect ratio attribute. So that you can control all that type of stuff where it renders. All that can be very useful. It's just if you have a weird sizing issue, it probably has to do with that. Uh, let's talk about build tools a little bit, like not scary weird ones. Actually, probably we will talk about some scary weird ones. We'll start with a really easy one, which is just like icomoon.io. Really simple tool, you just go, it was popular in the icon font world. You just go click, 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 click. I want this one, give me an icon font of those, meaning that you get this custom font that is just the icons that you want, really responsible, instead of just downloading some icon set that you found that has like 700 icons in it. It's like a four megabyte file on you. Uh, this is cool because it, it outputs not only as a font, but you can just click SVG down there as well and it will give you that defs block, that thing that we manually built earlier. This tool will do it and you're not limited to those icons. If you designed your own in Illustrator or found them on some other website or just built your own in Illustrator, whatever, you can take that SVG file, drag and drop it right onto here and it will include that custom font in your build tool too. You don't have to use any of those icons. You can use your own entirely own system and get that chunk of SVG stuff that you need. You can even sign up for a free account through there, have a project so when you come back to Icomoon, all the right ones are selected and re-output it you know, for managing a project over time. That's a build tool. It's not like an automated build tool, but it's a build tool that helps you build code uh, for your stuff. Uh, so it, what you get as output is this folder full of each individual SVG icon and then that, that sprites.svg just, just above that. And then usage information too. So if you forget how the code works to display those icons, it gives you an index.html file that shows you how it goes down. So you can't forget really. Um, there are build tools that take that, those like folders full of SVG, which is like how a lot of people work in building icon systems, and smush them into that defs block 
That's like the whole point of this grunt and gulp plugin. It takes the folder full of SVGs and makes the defs block for you to reference later in those used elements. It's like, you know, that's, that's what grunt and gulp and stuff are good for, like a little task that would suck to do by hand, but it automatically does. Uh, maybe you've heard of one called uh, Grunticon, or this is Grumpicon, the, the browser version of it. It's a little different in that it's not an inline SVG system that we've been talking about the whole time. It will take your folder full of SVGs, you drag them, drop them on the browser, and it gives you a CSS file where each of those SVG icons is embedded into the CSS files. Not inline SVG, it doesn't have the cool advantages that we talked about, but it's still pretty cool. It's like, you know, some, maybe you don't need to style each individual SVG icon differently on your site. You just want to use them that way. Uh, that's fine, but just know that it's a little bit different. Optimizing your SVG just might be part of a build step too, just like you can have a JPEG file and it comes out of Photoshop and it's like way bigger than it is if you ran it through Image Optim or JPEG Mini or any of those like image optimization things. SVG similarly can be bigger out of Illustrator than it needs to be and you can remove precision and white space and all that stuff with a build tool called SVGO. Uh, which is pretty cool. Isn't it weird that Photoshop can't, it's open, there's open source tools for minifying JPEGs. Just put it in your software. <laughs> it's not hard to use. Maybe this is a little boring. It's just me showing you how to use SVGO. You type SVGO, where the file exists, what you want it to be called after it's optimized. It's me like, look, the command line isn't scary, but boring, right? Uh, <laughs> Dealing with fallbacks, so that this is probably a hot topic, right? You're like, I, but my website needs IE8 support. Awesome, no problem. Uh, it depends on how you're using SVG, but you can get a fallback to go. Remember that one kind of fallback is nothing, right? Look at these buttons down here. Download from GitHub, little GitHub dude there. If that GitHub dude wasn't there, it would still be a button that says download from GitHub. That would be an acceptable fallback, I think, right? So just remember that you don't have to, you know, whatever. Do all browsers need to look, or do designs need to look the same in all browsers? No. <sighs> that was like some 2010 stuff coming back. Uh, cool, but this happens to be taken from a website called SVG Easy, which just does this essentially. Like you use the SVG files in your HTML, you load up this script, you say, I made ping versions, and you did, right? They're, they live right next to each other in the, in the system, and if it detects non-support, it goes through the DOM and just replaces it with, with, with PNG instead, so it works. So in a browser that supports SVG, like iPhone, or Safari on iOS, uh, to, it will work. Uh, and in a browser that doesn't support it, like IE7 or 8 or something, it will show you the fallback. Really cool, right? Except for that it may request to, you know, like the browser will start parsing and it'll see that ping and it'll start downloading it and they'll be like, ooh, it changed, or see, see the SVG, start downloading it, doesn't work. Get replaced with PNG, download that as well. You're kind of penalizing older browsers, so if you wanted to not do that, you could use the picture element, which is landing in browsers, but it obviously isn't supported in old IE8 land, and use like big weird chunks of code to do fallbacks, but what's, what you gotta remember is let, let's say you have this giant SVG image, a fallback for that can't be like a tiny JPEG. You might have to have multiple versions of fallbacks, so, so uh, picture element deals with that as well. Like, if SVG works, cool, use SVG. If not, fall back to different levels of JPEGs. You know, so a lot of people don't think of that with responsive images. They just think, I need different JPEGs. But it could be SVG falling back to JPEGs as well. Uh, CSS has a super clean way to do fallbacks. Remember that CSS is often like decorative things, right? It's not vital to content usually, so one fallback for CSS 
uh, SVG and CSS might be nothing, but if it's totally vital, just use multiple or backgrounds as a CSS3 feature. It's really just this comma that makes it multiple backgrounds and use that linear gradient just as like the magic mix of sauce that browsers that um, you really need both of those things. It's weird, but uh, if you put that, a browser that supports SVG will just do it and uh, uh, in the browsers that don't, it will use that line above it, that the fallback PNG. It is the, the magical thing that makes it work. I already explained that. Uh, <clears throat> and then there's inline SVG. So how do you use inline SVG with a fallback? This browser, uh, the SVG for everybody script that also, that solves the IE problem, solves that as well. It, uh, it, you have to make your own PNG versions, but if it detects non-support, it will you know, put a div there with the proper fallback that's just the size that the inline SVG icon would have been. So that's a pretty sweet script for that. I wanna talk about fun things. Oh, it was too much tech boring, wasn't it? Real lull in the middle there. <clears throat> so there's three ways to, to animate SVG. There's the, there's the smile, which is the world's funnest thing in tech, is literally the animate tag in SVG syntax. You can describe how an SVG should be animated in SVG. I don't know anything about it, literally nothing. Uh, <laughs> and then you can take but you can use CSS, which I know plenty about animating with, with at keyframes and transitions and stuff, and apply that to chunks of SVG, which is great. Or you can do it with JavaScript. So here's little flying dude. He's using smile animations. So all of the animation just lives within the SVG syntax. Here's some shapes in, a, in an SVG design that I designed that's just like little dinosaur, you know, like translate X negative 100 pixels, you know, change opacity and that type of stuff. I can do this all through CSS keyframes really, really easy. I'm pretty stoked about this page, so we're gonna launch, uh, I think, Monday on CodePen that reminds people, oh, there's all these cool design patterns on CodePen. All that's inline SVG fills. I worked on it with Katie Kovalson. She did all the, the vector graphics, and we kind of tag-teamed the animations and colors, and I think it looks awesome. These are really simple little animations through, um, that I did all in CSS to inline SVG. You know, just hide and show stuff, you know, rotate stuff, change colors on stuff. Oh, it's so cool, isn't it? I'm like friggin' stoked about this thing launching. People are gonna be like, look at these cool animations. I'm gonna be like, yep, they are cool. <laughs> you can change like the shapes of, this is JavaScript now happening too through a um, technology called Snap SVG. Those are literally the shapes changing there. It's not some trick or whatever. Those are SVG drawn shapes that are like the points of them are moving around. Snap SVG helps with that. This was posted this morning on CodePen, a little customer service thing, and he's, he's gets sad <laughs> and gets happy. Yay. Those are the points of the SVG files drawing those things moving. It's amazing. Just all happens through JavaScript there where you can actually access and tween between the different points. SVG can do clipping, which is pretty cool. It's like, these are some pretty cool animations that just like are revealing parts of the, it looks like mega complicated. It's a little complicated, but not so bad. It's just revealing parts of it through curved areas. Like I have this clipping path, so only show what's inside of it and then move that clipping path down to reveal more of it. It's not tremendously complicated, but gets pretty cool results. And this is, on Katie's site, we have this cool SVG downward facing prism thing. Can you see it good? It's all like glitchy and weird. I just wrote about this on CSS Tricks where it's like there's, mo I'm adding background color so you can kind of see what's happening to it there. But it's like different chunks of SVG behind it are being revealed. So if the colors aren't there, you can kind of just see it like twitchy and weird and look all screwed up. And here I'm just gonna like make one of those layers, like have some 
transform on it, so it like even looks even more messed up and twitchy and weird. It's just like just a, just a cool design effect is all it is, but I think it looks awesome. See, it's like <laughs> like it's all broken. It looks awesome. Um, <clears throat> SVG totally gets the nod from the accessibility community. I hear over and over. Uh, Leonie Watson does great accessibility work, and she wrote tips for creating an accessible SVG, which is basically gave you know to this guide. It's like we don't have to go through every single thing, but it's just like if you use SVG, a that's accessible right there, especially for low vision people because it's so sharp and looks good that it can be good for people. You know, it's better than a blurry JPEG to start with or whatever. Um, you have attributes that are built in just for accessibility that work pretty good in SVG. You can have focusable parts of them that have cool links. If you use the right ARIA roles, you can get really good accessibility out of an SVG file. Uh, you know, just reference this later. This is like a blueprint for what a chunk of a very accessible inline SVG would look like. Uh, and I think it's kind of cool. You can use text right in SVG, not text outlines of text, but literally selectable, SEO-friendly, searchable, copy and pastable text. And if you use at font face, custom fonts, you can put, you have, your SVG has access to those as well. You have a fancy cool font you're using for your logo or whatever. Your SVG graphics can use that as well. See, I'm just actually selecting text in SVG, but remember it has that aspect ratio to it. SVG has a particular size to it. So as I change the size, of it, the text scales with it. So it's kind of like amazing way to resize text because it just lives in that viewport. So like, that's hard to do with CSS type. That kind of scalability that, uh, that happens based on its container, you know? Just doesn't usually work like that. It's pretty cool. Uh, SVG has its own set of filters that, like, kind of is where the CSS filters came from. This is like a super weird Microsoft demo where to demo SVG filters, they used a JPEG. But it's kind of cool that you can put JPEGs in SVG, it turns out, and apply SVG filters to them. Common ones you've seen that, that happen in CSS, like blur and stuff, but also like make it into paint dobs. <laughs> you know, like I, I woke up this morning wanting to do that. So. <laughs> but they're cool, they're weird. You know, there's like weird filters that come with SVG that you might not be used to that you can make cool effects with. That's about all I have to say. I could, should say that I've published like a 20 billion links about SVG on this post and I update it all the time. I updated it yesterday with a bunch of new things. Google for a compendium of SVG information. There's tons of stuff in there about SVG. Thank you for listening to my talk.